I want to say thanks to the Sangamon County Fair for the opportunity to be here today. I was talking with uh, the president of the fair and he said he was glad to have the community use this. So we're thankful for this opportunity to do uh, church here and we're just grateful for uh, this wonderful day that God has given to us. I want to invite you and your Bibles, if you brought your Bible, to Mark chapter 2. Uh, we'll be in the last few verses, 27 and 28, Mark chapter 2. It was a couple Fridays ago, and I had an appointment to take our dog, Lily, who she and I have registered as a therapy team, to the school. And so the school had invited me to come. It was a Friday morning uh, to talk with the high school psychology class. And so I was looking forward to it, and I told Beth the night before, uh, I've got this appointment, and uh, she had an errand to run in the morning, and so I needed her to be back in time so that I could go to my appointment, because we have kids at home that we're caring for, and so I was all set, 8.45, my appointment time. And I was hoping to get there like 8.20, 8.30 to get familiar and ready. And so 8.15 comes, still no Beth. 8.20, 8.30, getting a little nervous now. But I also know my wife's good. She will not let me, she won't mess this up. And so 8.35, 8.40, 8.43, I'm like, I call Beth. I'm like, Beth. And she's like, I'm coming over the overpass from church. I'll be there in two minutes. She's like, what time's your appointment? And I said, 8.45. And this is 8.44 now. And uh, she said, I thought your text message said 9.45. I said, no, it's 8.45. And I thought about it. I could be that guy and check and prove her wrong, but I'm, like, I'm not going to do that. And so she got there. I, I got the car together, made the whole two blocks to, from our house to the school. And I get Lily out of the car no leash. Kind of hard to go into the public building without your dog on a leash, and that's kind of one of the rules as a therapy dog. So I'm looking through my stuff. I did not bring her leash, so now I'm even more late. I've texted the teacher. I'm on my way. We had a miscommunication. Go get the leash. Get in your, your heart. You, you've been there. You're just rushing around, and you're just, the, 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 it just kind of, just, I just kept getting, you know, upset, frustrated. I'm like, it's a good thing we're going on this sabbatical because Beth really needs this. That's kind of what I was thinking in the back of my mind for her to miss this appointment. And so I walk into the school, go to the appropriate classroom, and it's for high school psychology. And I look in, and there's all these sixth graders. And I thought to myself, these are awfully young students to be taking high school psychology. And I greet the teacher, and he's like, hey, great, you're an hour early. So I'm here in front of everyone and all of Facebook fandom to say, uh, my wife was right, I was wrong. And I felt about this big. Uh, and so I called her within the hour and said, hey, uh, I apologize, I messed up, uh, and this, this happens. And so things go wrong a lot of the time when we're in a hurry. Would you agree? When we get into a hurry, mistakes happen. I can still remember Coach Williams at Ozark Christian College telling our basketball team, be quick, but don't hurry. And I still try to figure out what in the world does that mean, be quick, but don't hurry. I think about 20-some years later now, I'm starting to figure out what he was talking about. But when things, when we are in a rush, we a lot of times make mistakes or things don't go like we wish they would. And God has a plan, I would say an antidote or even a cure for the hurried pace of life. And he calls it the Sabbath. 
And so we're going to jump ahead in our Core 52 study from Chapter 22, which is our scheduled week this week, to 29, uh, for the fact that I thought it would be helpful for us to talk about rest as we're launching into this sabbatical journey together this summer. So we still have some Core 52 books available at the back of the Air Pavilion if you'd like to get one for your family. But we're going to be in Week 29. If you want to just stay on pace with what we're going to do that's totally fine uh, by the end of the summer we'll be all back on track together but i wanted to take uh this theme to talk about god's cure for the hurried life and it's found in the sabbath and so our core verse is from mark chapter 2 verses 27 and 28 jesus said to them the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath so the son of man is lord even of the sabbath to summarize that in a sentence, it'd go like this. The Sabbath creates a rhythm of life with our Lord. The Sabbath creates a rhythm of life with our Lord. And as we look at these two verses, I just want to pull two truths about the Sabbath. The first one is this. The Sabbath is God's gift to us. The Sabbath is a gift from God to us. You hear it there. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so what does this Sabbath gift look like? Well, if you go back to what Jordan did, uh, read for us earlier in the Genesis chapter 2, we have the example of God setting up the Sabbath. And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, this is the words uh, from God to us, probably written by Moses. Thus, verse Genesis 2, 1 through 3, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had, done, had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. That word for rested, that's in verses 2 and 3, says God rested, that's the word Sabbath. The word Sabbath just means to stop. I don't think God was tired. I don't know if God gets tired. And so he simply finished the creation. We can look around and see these beautiful trees. We can hear the birds. We can see the feel the sunshine. God made all this and he just stopped. He's like, that's enough. And he Sabbath. The word Sabbath simply means to rest. For the Jews, they would have counted the Sabbath as the seventh day of the week. You hear it there, on the seventh day, God rested. Many of us kind of think, well, Sunday's the Sabbath. Real Sam Sunday's the Lord's Day. We celebrate the Lord's Day because that's the day Jesus walked out of the tomb. But for the Jews, uh, Sabbath was Saturday. It actually begins on sundown Friday night, all through Saturday to Saturday night. That is the Jewish day of Sabbath. But as you read through Genesis 1 and 2, we have this beautiful refrain of how God made the world. And then at the end of each day, we hear this rhythm. There was evening and there was morning the first day. And then God did some more creating. And then we have this refrain again. There was evening and there was morning the second day. And the refrain continues. There was evening and there was morning the third day. All through days one through six, we have this beautiful refrain. There was evening and there was morning. And then you come to day seven. No more refrain. No more 
there was evening, there was morning. Why? Maybe because God said this is the way life's supposed to be. I want this to be a Sabbath rest for my people. I've got this beautiful garden. We're in paradise, Eden. This is the way life is supposed to be. And so maybe God wants us to live in this life of Sabbath. The, the, there's a helpful video on your Right Now Media. If you have our Right Now Media uh, invite or if you want to, leave us a note at check-in or find someone today. We'll get you set up. But there's a study, there's four, four studies, and they're about 10 minutes each, called uh, 24-6, 24-6 by Matthew Sweet. It's a helpful tool on Sabbath. He says we all need to create a stop day because in this hurried pace of life, we need a stop day. Let's be honest, every day, everybody's schedule's different. And, you know, people's schedules, you know, you can't necessarily take the seventh day off. You, you, with, with rolling schedules and just different people's schedules isn't just not nice and, and tidy. So the goal is to find a day each week to carve out for you and God and to renew your soul. And studies have shown that for those who regularly observe a Sabbath, a stop day each week, it could add as much as 10 years to your life. So we're actually talking about life and death, that if you regularly commit to this principle of taking one day every week to just be still and rest in God, it could actually physically add days and years to your life. There's a story of the Oregon Trail. You remember before the little computer game, before the board game, there was the real thing? And so in 1835, there was a couple, a uh, wife was named Phoebe, and her, her husband's name uh, was Hudson, and they were going to hook up with a wagon train to go out to Washington Territory. And so they were in Kansas City, probably Independence, Missouri, and that's where they hooked up with these wagon trains that were going west. And the Oregon Trail, they were going to, every, every wagon train found, uh, established a captain he was the law. He was the trail head. He was the trail boss. And whatever the captain said was law for the wagon train. You did not cross him. And so their wagon train, Phoebe's wagon train that they were part of, they chose Gustavus Hines as their trail boss, as their captain. And he was a preacher. And so that first week, they set out from Kansas City and from Missouri, and they traveled till Saturday night. And then Saturday night, Reverend Hines said, not going anywhere tomorrow. We're staying put. We're going to rest one day a week. Well, one family said, that ain't happening. We've got to get across those mountains. There's lots of mountains, lots of rivers. We've got to get there. We are leaving. So they actually left the wagon train. Phoebe and her husband are like, I don't know if we should do this. There's a lot of ways to go. And, and but. True to his word, they did not travel on Sundays. They chose that as their stop day. And so they're stopped on Sunday, and they see wagon train go by, wagon train go by. <laughs> they just kept saying, this is not good. And they come to their first river crossing, and all those wagons that had passed them were lined up for the one ferry to take them across the river. They had to wait three days to get across that river. And finally, they get across the river, travel another day, and guess what? Time for another stop day and so she was getting as long as this was going on she was getting more upset more anxious and then she started seeing dead oxen 
and dead mules along the trail. And then she thought, well, maybe those folks rode their animals, drove their animals too hard. And then as the further they went along, they started thinking, well, the men are walking every step of this journey. They could use some time off to rest as well. And so they continued on their journey. And she noticed that the people's spirits were actually better when they would have that stop day and they would, they would rest and they would pray and they would play and they would sing and that their attitudes were better and there was less grumbling among their wagon train. And what sealed the deal was, you remember that family that left right early on? They came limping into their camp. She thought that they were a week ahead of them. They actually were behind them. And they said, our wagon's all broken down. Could we join your train? And they got to their destination ahead of many of the others. And just maybe it's because they were able to establish that God-given rhythm of a day of rest each week. The Sabbath is a gift from God to us. Second truth we see in verse 28 of our text where it says, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The second truth is that the Sabbath is subject to King Jesus. Jesus is in charge of this. Jesus throughout, you can just read through the Gospels, many times Jesus just wants to kind of almost pick a fight with the religious leaders on Sabbath. And it just happened to be one of those kind of touchstone moments that he had with religious leaders. So if we back up to our context, verse 23 of Mark 2, it says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are, you, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And so it's Sabbath day, and there's no Chick-fil-A. And so they're just finding what they've got, and they've got some grain, and they're just popping some, some kernels in their mouth to tide them over on their journey. The Pharisees are watching that, and they are the religious watchdogs for all the rules. And they actually made rules for the rules. And the Pharisees had some rules on Sabbath day. They said that if you, if you have, have your sandals, if you can latch your sandals, if you can tie your sandals with one hand, that's fine. But if it takes you two hands to put your shoes on, that is considered work. You cannot do that on the Sabbath. They had another one for you ladies. They said on the, one of their Sabbath rules, ladies, you cannot look at yourself in a mirror on Sabbath. You're saying, well, why? Well, the reason is, is that if you look in your mirror and you see that you have a gray hair, you're going to be tempted to want to pull that out. And if you lack the self-control to not pull that out, if you pull that out, that is work. So you cannot look at yourself in a mirror. This is kind of the context. And so Jesus and the, and the disciples are just popping these grains, these little kernels in their mouth. And the Pharisees say, why are you doing what is unlawful? Jesus replies in verse 25, have you never read? Which is like, you know, telling your teacher, have you not studied this before? Yeah, they've studied this. They've read this before. He, an- he said, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And so the story is found in 1 Samuel 21. And David was the anointed king, but he had not yet been crowned king. He's still running for his life from King Saul. And so we have this anointed King David, and Jesus is saying, you remember David? 
And you remember his men, and they go to this priest in Nob, and they say, do you got something to eat? We're running around here. We need some food. And the priest said, we only have this special bread. There are 12 loaves of bread that they bake fresh every Sabbath. And they said, there's this special bread. There's no ordinary bread. But I guess you're the anointed king. I guess you can have this as long as you and your men are holy. And he said, yes, we are, we're holy even when our missions are not. And so he, they take this special bread. It'd be sort of like communion bread, but like loaves of it. And so they take that. And so Jesus is saying, do you remember that? And then he says, so the son of man is even Lord of the Sabbath. Son of man, that's Jesus' favorite name for himself in the Gospels. You remember when we talked about Son of Man a few weeks ago with our Daniel 7, 13 core memory verse? Remember Daniel says, In my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven and he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. And so this Son of Man vision of Daniel finds out that the Son of Man is able to conquer the evil beasts in his visions. And earlier in Mark's Gospel, Jesus, the Son of Man, is casting out demons. And earlier in chapter 2, he says, the Son of Man even has authority on earth to forgive sins. And Jesus is this anointed king, and yet he has not been crowned yet at this point in the, in the gospel story. And so Jesus is saying, yeah, but there's someone else who's more powerful than you here. And there'd be a day that Jesus would receive a crown of thorns, and they'd put him on a cross. And on that day he died, it was called Preparation Day. That is the day before the Sabbath on Friday. And you read in Mark's Gospel in, in chapter 15, and you go to John's Gospel, he says that the next day was a special Sabbath. And Joseph of Arimathea takes the body of Jesus down and wraps it up and places it in a, in a tomb just before sunset on Friday. What happens in the Jewish calendar on Friday nights? Sabbath. And much like God stopped from his work of creation in Genesis 2, the Son of Man, Jesus, the anointed king, takes a rest. He stops and he's placed in the tomb just as Sabbath begins. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This gift of time, Sabbath, is not to be a burden. It's not to be some rule or some rigid thing. It's supposed to be a gift where we center our lives on what Christ has done for us. Mark Moore, in his book for Core 52, says it this way, Sabbath is the only Eden we have left. It's the only glimpse of paradise that we have left. You can change your schedule all you want, but until you change your master you will never find rest for your soul. So I want to invite us to carve out a day a week to stop. Let's be honest, it's going to be hard. It's going to take some preparation. But I'm confident with God's help, we can take a stop day. And your stop day is going to look different than my stop day. And what brings you enjoyment and refreshment might not do the same thing for someone else. But the goal is to create some time where we can be renewed with God's word and with some deep friendship. My friend Brian Jennings, uh, when he was teaching on this 
uh, passage of, of rest, he asked his people to get a piece of paper. So you got your little song sheets? Go ahead and grab your song sheets. It's, it's that little white thing in front of you, okay? <laughs> if you've got a pen, you might want to grab, we're going to do, we're going to ask you to write four words. If you've got a pen, if not, uh, mark it in blood or something, I don't know. Uh, so I'm just joking. Uh, so get your piece of paper, and I want you to write on one, one edge, one margin, I want you to write the word work, or just mentally say, okay, this is the work side. So work got it? W-O-R-K. Okay. The next word, so turn it, turn it, turn another side of your paper. Are you following me? So turn it. Put finances. F-I, no. Finances. So you're going to, we've got it. Work, finances. Next, turn it. The next one, family. So write family or think this is my family side. So we got work, finances, family. Last one. Uh, I'll let you choose what you want to think on this page. Uh, stress or emotions? Stress, emotions. So you got your four pieces, four pot, spots. I want you to fold your each side with how much margin you think you have in your life. So work. If work is all-consuming you and you have very little margin for your life, then you might want to make a really small, so do that for your work. And then when you get to your, uh, what was the next, finances? So if finances are really, really tight, you're going to want to make it really small. But if you feel like finances, you're pretty comfortable, then you can fold that. You know, get yourself a good margin. The same for family. Do you feel like you have time for your family? Then if, you, if it's pretty adequate, then you fold it well. If you feel like that's being squeezed out, just create the folds for the margins. If you're stressed to the gills, okay, create that fold however that would reflect. You follow me? And if you're like, I can't do it now, do that later. But that would be a way. Sabbath helps create some space, create some margin in our lives. And so if you're looking at those folds and saying, I don't like the way those margins look, Sabbath could be a piece to help organize, refresh, bring some perspective to your life. Because we just need to create some time where we can just breathe. And so that's one of the one of the goals that Sabbath will help provide for you. I was reading a book in preparation for uh, our, our upcoming sabbatical, and it's called uh, by Gary Fenton, your, your ministry's next chapter, The Best is Yet to Come. And Gary Fenton was a preacher, and he was talking with a midlife, uh, middle-aged man, and the guy was just kind of crying his woes, kind of he's saying, I'm lonely. And he said, if I died, I don't know who I'd ask to be my pallbearer. You ever thought about that? Who's going to be your pallbearers for your funeral? And the, the preacher said, you know, it's pretty sad that you don't have anybody that you can count on to be your pallbearers. And then he made the reflection, if you don't have anybody that's going to carry you out when you die, who is carrying you when you live? What friendships do you have in your life right now that are carrying you through life? And if you don't have those friendships, then something needs to change. And it's quite possible that Sabbath could provide some of that space, some of that time to cultivate those healthy relationships. 
our Core 52 action step this week, if you go to chapter 29 of, of our Core 52 book, is to get with your friends and family. So they know you best, and maybe they can help create, you know, here's where you really need some, some space in your life for your Sabbath. And then talk through with them, saying, here's my stop plan. Here's my Sabbath day plan. And ask them to hold you accountable for that. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, your name is holy, and you've given us a holy day. You called it the Sabbath is holy. And we're called to remember and to keep it. And so, Lord, I pray a prayer of thanks for this gift of time that you have given to every one of us. Time really is the great equalizer. No matter uh, who you are in the world, we all have the same amount of time. So I pray we would use it well. Lord, for those who are not sure where to begin, pray you give them wisdom and counsel and guidance. Lord, for some that are still discerning, you know, whether to fully surrender their life to your lead over their time, I pray that your spirit would communicate clearly. Thank you for your unfailing love. We love you, King Jesus. Amen.